Boy Swallows Universe is a new series on Netflix. It's based off a near 500-page semi-biographical coming-of-age novel written by Australian author Trent Dalton. The book follows the account of a young boy named Eli Bell growing up in Brisbane throughout the 1980s. From his chaotic home life to his friendships to his connections with the criminal underworld, the story blends moments of heart-wrenching vulnerability with flashes of hope and humor. On today's episode, we're discussing episode one, Boy Smells Rat, of the Netflix miniseries adaptation. Now, I've read three books this last month. The three books are Fool Me Once, that was the Harlan yep. Coben crime thriller, You Have Boy Swallows Universe, this coming-of-age story, and then The Expatriates, which comes out on Apple later on. And so I feel like I'm well-prepped for our podcast, but the thing is, this was my favorite book by far. I heard that it's incredibly dark. It didn't... Well, <laughs> you're jumping ahead. Yeah. It didn't start out as my favorite book, and that is because... The author, it's a its a slog to get through. The author is more of a poet than he is just a straight-up writer. Um, but the more I got used to his style, the more that Eli grew and his characters matured, not just him, um, the more it started to remind me of Last Days of Summer, which is one yeah. of my favorite books of all time. That's about that kid growing up in the 1940s, starts writing to a baseball player. Baseball we see player, it through, writes back. Yes, we see um, years of his life go by through his diary entries, as well as they splice in his like report cards and stuff. But that was written by... Steve Kluger. I really like that. This is this is similar in that it's also like Boyhood, where you just track this kid throughout the ages of like eight years old to 18, 21. I'm, I'm not sure where it ends off. I forgot. But um, one thing that is interesting about the Netflix series is that Fool Me Once, which also got adapted by Netflix, eight episodes, right? Yeah. Shorter book, more episodes. This only has seven episodes. It was, a, it was supposed to be eight when it started out, but then I saw the finale was 80 minutes, so I think Holy it might have... shit, yeah, the finale is 80 minutes long? I think they might have combined whatever they had for episode I, you eight. You think? And yeah. Then, yeah, just tagged on to episode seven. I actually had a game about the book because yeah. it was such a big hit, and I want to see if you can guess what the lie was. So I, three, I know two, a, one a good amount about the book, but yeah, go okay. ahead. So number one is, it was the quickest selling debut novel ever in Australia. The book made over one million sales globally and has been published in 34 territories yeah i saw that's true okay so number two is trent dalton said about 70 percent of the book is stuff that actually happened yes that's also true okay the third one is it won book of the year at the australian book industry awards in 2019 i'm not sure if it won that award but it definitely won a lot of awards so i'll say oh wait 2019 yeah it was made in 2018 yeah i'll say true too and then the last one was 2021 the novel was adapted to the stage in queensland theater uh also true okay so the, the lie, third one was the third one the lie no the lie was actually the 70%. second one it was 50 percent, and then his mom trent dalton's mom said it was actually only 45 percent okay <laughs> which, uh, i see the humor in that it's funny that the same week the revival of mean girls came out which is perhaps one of the lightest coming of age musical comedies the day before boy swallows universe which every single article kept on talking about how sad that book is and how sad the show is well, it's funny also because coming of age. i was i was gonna say it actually takes a very lighter tone and so does the book two very violent things that happen um you could how, how do you have a story that is uh from a kid's perspective that is talking about all this traumatic stuff happening to him throughout his childhood, right? You could either go the Dear Edward route and make it a melodrama and have everybody be sad around him and have the kid 
like not be resilient enough to like look past it for a while. Right. Or you could be like this show where it's like they're ha almost Australian humor where he's he's kind of living with it. Oh, you know, so like this, rain dogs. So this is nothing like uh, the a family member or a friend of the family. Um, I thought that that's no. where it was going to be heading towards or something like Lost there Heart of There is a big Alice mystery which we haven't even really touched upon in the pilot episode. And I should describe what happens in the pilot yeah. here. Um, we have Eli. He's this youngster living in Dara, um, uh, again, Queensland. Uh, his mom, Frankie, and his boyfriend, sorry, his boyfriend, uh, and her boyfriend, Lyle, take care of Eli and August. August is his older brother. He's mute, but he's very smart, and he spells out what he wants Eli to understand with his finger in the air. That's straight from the book. Huh. Uh, Slim Holiday is this um, ex-con. He actually murdered a taxi driver back in the day. He's gone through prison. He's actually their babysitter. Um, uh, <laughs> August, and it, he's just a friend with of Lyle's who ends up like almost adopting um, Eli as well. If and he so, murders a taxi driver, how is he out of prison? Well, this was a long time ago, and he's actually famous for escaping prison many times. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> so that's why it, it, he's always telling Eli stories about going to prison and how to behave and stuff like that. And he's also having Eli write one of his cellmates because he knows how lonely prison can be. Mm -hmm. And so that guy's name is Alex, and they amplify his character in the show rather than the books. So all this stuff is happening, and uh, the sad stuff is that um, Eli's mom and Lyle uh, are ex-heroin junkies. Lyle got his mom on heroin at one point, but then, to his credit, he got himself off, and then he came home, stuck her into a room, boarded her up, and waited until she went cold turkey, and then she was good to come out, and then they all had a group hug. And then the problem is that Lyle has now gone back to drug dealing, but he's not doing it so that he can serve his own purposes. He's trying to get their family out of Dara. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so so there's this whole criminal world uh, underbelly. And uh, even Ivan Kroll is mentioned a little bit here because in the first scene, kind of like with Fool Me Once, uh, they tease out something that happens much later in a darker chapter of the book where Lyle is almost kidnapped. He's stuck into the back of a car and driven out somewhere. Now, that's the events don't happen exactly that way in the book, but uh, we know enough about the the bad guy at this point to know that his name is Ivan Kroll and that he drives a motorcycle. What's what's the main difference between uh, what happens in the book and the series? Well, the book and the series, like it's merging events, it's it's consolidating things. It's a five hundred page novel. So here's here's what my fear was going into the series because this is a hassle. It's an unenviable task to have to adapt such a work. If Netflix came to me and said we're going to pay you millions of dollars <laughs> um, to adapt this, I would say. Yes, but then I would also fail miserably. At Actually, it. what's funny about it is that uh, Trent Dalton he got a call from his publishers, and then they were like, "Joel Egerton wants to speak to you. Can you make it to Sydney?" So then they this had is Joel Egerton's work. He he executively produced it. Is, and it, then, is it Joel the one who worked on Mister In Between, or was that his brother? No, Joel Egerton is the famous one. Nash Egerton is, is who the one who worked on Mister In Between. But yeah, they had a coffee, and they, like that, they talked over coffee, and within two hours, Joel Egerton got the rights. And Trent Dalton, even though I. He is executive producer. Always, whenever you make a, a work, you're always going to get the executive producer credit. It seems like he's really into it. He talked a lot to the person who wrote the show. Uh, Who's the Percy Jackson guy? That guy was really into it. Rick his. Riordan. Yes. And the reason they're into it is because of how much they take from the novel. This isn't one of those things where it was just inspired from it, but they did their own story. These are direct trans or quotes that are taken from accounts of like discussions. And even though the the writing is written from Eli's perspective. So it's not necessarily showing you like it's a past account for him. It's mm -hmm. like August did this then and then he did this. 
but in, we're actually watching them do it in present time. Well, it wasn't actually Trent Dalton that wrote the series. It was someone named John Cawley, and he's been nominated for three Oscars, Master and Commander, which was, I think, nominated for Best Picture when it came out, yeah. Happy Feet, which won Best Animation. <laughs> wow. He and, really likes to see. <laughs> and Tana in 2015. What's Tana? I'm not really sure, but I remember. know that was nominated for Best Picture as well. All right. Well, I'm going to go back to my fears because going into the show, Eli Bell's age is the biggest factor that everybody yes. will probably contemplate straight on the problem is that the book covers 10 years worth of his life adolescence child teen adult but there's not just three jumps it's like boyhood where you're getting a different update every few months or year so casting one kid at the beginning of his his childhood and then one kid playing an adult is not enough to really encapsulate what the book is doing and to make matters worse the book is really cavalier when it comes to time every so often you'll see a date pop in there you'll have a reference made like to arnold schwarzenegger in the new movie that he just right. came out or an age tossed out of one of the other characters um but that so that you have an idea of where you are in like time but for the most part we're left to judge it for ourselves based on how eli communicates with others and how others communicate with him as to how old he is so it's not actually really you're saying the actor's fault it's more just how they're showing there his age there's no perfect way of doing this sides from doing like casting one person at one age and following them throughout and doing a full boyhood movie mm -hmm. you know um last days of summer was like that i think it's part of the reason it's never been adapted into film or for from what my knowledge i don't think it has goldfinch uh is different but but sort of similar they did have a giant time jump remember yeah so in the uh older version of him that was taron egerton or who was that Ansel, uh, yeah, Elbert. yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And then the younger version of him played it throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that Happy Valley Season 3 did the same thing where they actually waited and did what you were talking about nine years so that the kid could age up. And that was the main reason that there was such a big jump between uh, Season 2 and Season 3. Yeah, but Happy Valley did it right because that was more their own creation. They weren't spacing it off source material. This... The problem is with Goldfinch, it failed as a movie, partially because I don't think audiences could see the kids as the same person. I don't know. And, and then the other thing is like Nosferatu. That also failed as a TV show because I read the book to that, the, the Joe Hill book. From, yeah. And uh, there were three versions of that main character and they completely cut out the young childhood version of her. I remember you talking about that. And I was that. pissed <laughs> off from it. So that's where I thought, okay, well, we're, I'm going to follow one kid and he's going to play from like what? 10 to uh, 18 all by himself that that seems ridiculous and then the same goes for the brother the surrounding right, family right but um trent dalton's style is the other thing that was holding me up because like i said he's a poet he's frustrating to read through this is this is an example it, it's his second paragraph he's a very talented writer um but but this is how it sounds that's how slim beat black peter that's how Slim survived the hole. Everything had two meanings. One for here, here being where he was then, cell D9, two division, Bago Road goal, and another for there, that boundless and unlocked universe expanding in the head, in his head and in his heart. Nothing in the here but four green concrete walls and darkness upon darkness and his lone and stationary body. Can That's you the second paragraph of the whole That's book? That's how the whole book is written and you have to <laughs> interpret it. You have to... You have to kind of like it's a different language. Almost I, I got I got lost like midway through. He's describing his best friend Slim, the prison that he was in, how he would feel, how he would escape from that in his mind, um, and how do you then take that segment and then translate it over into 
um, TV. That's very difficult to do. The, the language is very descriptive, flowery, metaphorical, um, well, yeah, with non-linear. Boys, I mean, the name of the show is Boy Swallows Universe, and I still don't really know what that means. There's a story halfway through the book, I don't think I'm ruining, ruining anything here, where it's kind of like an allegory or, a again, a metaphor where the there's a kid, it's not him, that just keeps on eating and won't stop eating. And it's not a true story, but then he eventually eats the entire universe. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know Trent Dalton said that the the name. There's could other also reasons mean why. Like, yeah, could yeah. like also mean like eating something, and then he's like, you're eating so much that when you throw it up, it's fireworks. Or he said something like that in an interview, but that was the closest I got to. So he talks the, the same name. way that he writes. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, also, Eli is a bit of an unreliable narrator. Now, this is produced by anonymous content, so that's nothing unfamiliar for them with Elliot. Um, in in uh, Mr. Robot uh, <laughs> as well because he but he completely divorces himself. Right. Elliot in Mr. Robot is completely divorced from his childhood trauma, while Eli here is way more resilient because he's living with it, but also like his brain is doing some weird stuff. So we're also left to interpret while reading the book until he gets older. When he gets older, he gets a little bit smarter and he, things become a little more clear. So that's why the first few episodes would probably be the hardest to inter- uh, to make into a television show. And then the last part was what you were implying at the beginning which is the meat of the story is dark Uh, it's a high wire dance and in order for it not to become dear edward they would have a high task to like do that so how did the show come out Uh, i think they pulled it off yeah yeah well well, where are you going to give it out of 10 and then go into your pros (laughs) i'm gonna give it an 8 out of 10 and honestly i'm a little shocked at my own rating because I don't think this show is for everyone. It's kind of like I don't think the book is for everyone. I don't think everybody has the patience for it. Uh, I know I've already discussed the plot in Light where Eli is found out that uh, Lyle, his stepfather, who he highly respects, but at the same time, it's it's uh, there's this 1980s like rebuff. Everybody's got a mullet. Um, there's just this attitude to everybody that that's kind of funny. The pros, though, for the show, the reasons it was able to pull it off, there are several. One is not essential, but it's definitely appreciated, and it's the casting. So first you have Lyle or Travis Fimmel, the guy from Vikings, the guy from Raised by Wolves, Mm -hmm. who is doing a terrible job for someone who said he was going to quit TV after Vikings (laughs) because he keeps on popping up in these really good shows. He came back. I think Raised by Wolves was supposed to be kind of It's to our benefit as fans. Yes. I I think. He's also going to be in a Dune spinoff series called Dune Prophecy. That's going to be a TV series. And he's also going to be in the movie Rust, the one that has all that controversy. He looks like someone who could play someone in modern day, but also in any other era. That's why he keeps on getting cast. He, he gets in space battles in in Viking era. Like in, <laughs> it, it can be anywhere. Like I like how his he's not John Wayne. He's not having to play cowboy every single time. Uh, then you also have Caitlin Spies, who we see in uh, on the TV for a, a minute, but it's enough to realize who Sophie Wilde is, and that's the person from Everything Now, the main character yes. from that, and then Talk to Me, the, the horror movie. Her career has just kind of taken off it, it, ever it since has. those things happened, and they happened recently, too. Yeah, so she must have been doing this uh, show concurrently with the other ones. But why is it a big deal that they cast kind of famous people to surround Eli, who the kid isn't famous at this point, I don't think. He's only been in one other Netflix film in 2020 starring Naomi Watts and Andrew Lincoln. Look, the book is from his perspective completely. So he would be expected to carry the entire show. But like with Fool Me Once, where the entire book was written from Maya's perspective, they diversify or they change that. And they actually have us follow a few other characters. You follow Lyle's 
character as he gets kidnapped. You follow August's character as he's going to the guidance counselor. Um, and, and so, like, they're spreading out the weight so that it's not wholly on uh, Eli's shoulders. Well, Gus, uh, like August Gus Bell, the brother that you were just talking about, Gus. he's only been in a couple shorts as well and was a recurring character in only one other TV show. So he hasn't been in much either. But I'm saying that, like, they're not going to put it all on Eli's shoulders. Right. He's not going to be in every single scene. He's going to be in a lot of them, but not every single scene. So what they needed to do was elevate some characters in the book and they needed to uh, reduce some characters. Mm -hmm. They elevated Lyle. They amplified his character. Alex, um, uh, who the person that Eli's writing these letters to, um, he's not exactly doing that in the book either. He's kind of just talking to whoever. I think he's also talking to Slim and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessary, but they've streamlined it so that it makes more sense. Uh, Ivan Kroll is not like the main, 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 main bad guy, <laughs> but they made it seem like he is at this point. So they've kind of changed that a bit. And then they've reduced Slim, which I'm not hugely a fan of, but I understand exactly why they've done it. Slim was supposed to be that second mentor figure. But the problem is with Lyle kind of filling that gap, it kind of makes it hard for him to do the same thing. And was they haven't completely favorite, gotten rid of him. Was he your favorite character mm -hmm. in the thing? In the book? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't really have a favorite character mm -hmm. in the book. That, yeah, that's weird. Um, and, and then they moved up the guidance council that I was just talking about who talked to August from right. midway through the book. That doesn't happen. His guidance, The guidance counselor doesn't start getting concerned for the two boys until much later on in the story. So they are like kind of merging events. But um, the, the other pros for the show is that they're not shying away from the dark stuff. Literally, the dark shit. Um, because Wait, what? You, you have like Lyle and Frankie, they're ex-junkies, right? Yeah. And the mom, when she is getting weaned off the drugs and she's screaming and yelling, at her, her, uh, the walls of her room are covered in shit. Oh, like Jesus. that's described in the book, but you also see it in the show. And so that's it. But it's not done in like a disgusting way. It's more just like this is where they're at in the story. I don't see how it could it, be Well, done it turns into a Ruby way. Tuesday song. Like Lyle, or Eli turns on the Ruby Tuesday song and everybody starts singing and feeling a little bit better even though shit is happening. Also, they get covered in shit because they find a secret room <laughs> that Lyle has under his thing. You've probably seen in the trailer that there's a big red phone. Yes. Yes, and it probably and looks so, like the so black There's so much like, significance, I think, behind it, right? Yeah, and whether or not it's connected to anything. Eli picks it up. He hears a voice on the other oh. end. Oh, it's The Walking Dead. That happened in the comics and the TV show. Yes, but the question is whether it's in his head or if he's actually talking to someone. Because right. August also sort of hears it. Um, but we, that's left to be... Like, you, you kind of have to keep on watching to figure out what happens. <laughs> yeah. And so, but they found a passage there. Lyle gets mad that he they found a secret bunker place. And then they go into this little canal to, or uh, this little tunnel to escape from Lyle. And they find themselves underneath the outhouse in a in, in a bunch of shit. You know, oh, and so okay. the the scene is um, Lyle running out to the outhouse, opening up the shitter, like the the toilet yeah. can, and so you see his face from the bottom camera uh, of just the looking, oh, no, looking no, no. down. That, that's that's it's really the, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they had that in one of the teasers. You know, with Wentworth, it's a great show, but that's plot driven. This is like there's a lot of directorial smarts and artsy stuff that they they throw in. What there. I would expect it to be because the director and Barrett Naluri, he directed the first two episodes of this. He also directed the first two episodes of Life on Mars, the pilot of the hundred, and the first three episodes of Shantaram. Hmm. Shantaram. It, Charlie Hunnam looks a little bit like Lyle does in this series. Just just saying. Um, <laughs> what? Well, it's just uh, Charlie Hunnam, if I remember Shantaram correctly, and I only ever watched one episode, he's supposed to be, I know that you're saying Lyle is a good guy, but he, like a 
Charlie Hunnam never sells Charlie drugs Hunnam in that, a, right? He's a really good guy. Um, no, I'm saying he looks like him, like physically. I think Charlie Hunnam could have played this role if he wanted to. He was probably like second on the cast choice or something. Um, it, the book, mostly this is the reason why it was able to be a successful TV show in my eyes, is because it stayed true to itself. Not just with the grittiness and the dark shit, but also they did a masterful job with just depicting the source material that they were given and keeping Eli's personality despite not having really that much narration going on. Uh, there's a lot of true stuff that happens in the book that crosses over. Slim's babysitting Lyle and Frankie lying about going to the movies. That's what makes Eli originally suspicious that he might be uh, dealing drugs mm -hmm. again. Eli's curiosity getting the better of him. That's where he follows Lyle to pick up drugs at this. Uh, there's, so there's a character in the the um, the book that's called a Bick Dang, but it's spelled B-I-C-H Dang. So in the book, while I'm reading it, I'm, I'm just reading it as Bitch Dang the entire time i'm thinking this is like some sort of like joke on top of the fact that she's a drug dealer and she's also got all this stuff but he pronounces it there big dang so I, I, you learn something every day they also preserve the australianness feel because that is yes. trent dalton's like like a lot of writers they keep everything close to home well they, they shot they shot at the actual places that are in the book but know? it's a lot of identity for him and yes. so the sentimentality of that um and, and like i said lots of mullets trent dalton said that the closest character to the book from the tv series was robert bell oh robert doesn't appear yet he's mentioned he's their real father oh okay they got someone big for it i'll just say that the actor that they got uh read the book when it came out in 2018 because their mom had read the book in the book club and then recommended it and then he began he became he started in the series later so on. he has a place in the story you will probably follow the events from his perspective which again is something different from the books where it's just him being described he is said to be an alcoholic that's the reason why the mom left him at the time um but other so than he that he doesn't actually show up in the book it no, of course he shows up in the book. I just said he shows up. He's a part of the book for like a huge part, but later on, and all of the book is written from Eli's perspective. So the other characters never get individual scenes. I'm saying that they'll probably give him individual scenes later on to go do his own thing. But um, yeah, he's an alcoholic. And it's kind of funny because Frankie is uh, a junkie and yet she would have judged them. But there's another event that they're, they've not even hinted at, but they've shown you like pictures of, but no one knows what that means yet. Uh, there's a lot of symbolism with the moon and right. also this car. And that's all I'll say because it, it just has to do with the brothers, their relationship, why they are weird and why August doesn't talk and stuff like that. But like, I can't say anything more without <laughs> giving away a spoiler. Things that they also translate in this pilot that did come from the book. Uh, Lyle doesn't flog them after they sneak into the hidden room. Like they wait in the shitter so long that he just gets kind of bored and starts watching the telly. And so <laughs> once they get out, it's directly from the book that um, the Frankie's just like, yeah, he's, a, he's busy watching the footy, I think is what they called it. Um, and then they also follow uh, when... Uh, Eli follows Lyle to Bitch Big Dang's uh, place. Uh, yeah. He rips his, uh, Eli rips his uh, pajamas, and that happens in the books, books as well. There's also this kidney thing where uh, Eli talks about how in prison you're supposed to stab someone just enough in the kidney where it hurts, but not enough to kill them. And we actually see that happen, but they don't tell us what they're telling us. There. But why? Did like we see a scene where in a prison someone gets shanked, but we don't know. Like we haven't been told that kidney fact. So it was kind of just a shout out to oh, the book, okay. which I liked. Um, there's a lot of nuance with it. 
Um, Catelyn, Caitlin spies, they've changed. They, they, they've changed a few things, right? The guidance counselor moved up. Um, the Caitlin spies is a reporter as opposed to a journalist, which she is in the book. Uh, she's a journalist for the Courier Mail. You see her name on newspapers. August even says her name before anybody even knows it. Um, and then you don't meet her face to Eli doesn't meet her face to face until much later on. So he doesn't know what she looks like. Mm. But in this, he's kind of infatuated with her. He kind of just already loves her. <laughs> um, she also writes something about Slim, which is how they kind of interweave her connection with Eli versus him just seeing her on the telly. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of nuance. One of the biggest changes, I think, is like Darren's character uh, when he calls Eli into the back of the school. And um, this is where the name of the episode comes into play. He has a samurai sword, and uh, he's one of the he's Big Dang's uh, like grandson or son. Okay. And uh, he is kind of a bully. He has Eli hold a rat so that he's going to chop it with a blindfold on, and this is what scares Eli. In the book, Eli lets the rat go at the last second, which As causes I think everyone would, <laughs> which causes the rat to scuttle off, right? And that pisses off Darren enough where he has uh, Eli by the finger, like he has him put his finger on the chopping block, and he's going to cut his finger off. Jeez. And that's when um, this guidance counselor, no, no, it wasn't the guidance counselor, it was just a random other teacher, came around, saw what was going on, and everybody scuttled off, and that's when Eli covered for everybody and didn't actually rat him out. In this episode, what they ended up doing, I guess, to make Darren's character less caustic or maybe just to simplify it was they just had him cut off the rat's tail and then the teacher came around and saw what was happening blamed eli and then started beating on him which didn't exactly happen that way in the book well it seems like almost the the tv series was going with a more realistic route because i feel like if a if a teacher were to turn the corner and see a kid with a samurai sword about to chop off another kid's finger and then the kid that was about to have his finger chopped off covers for him well that's, that's the thing he just didn't say who like who was it who was about to do that to you oh she didn't say, okay it was a he oh he didn't see okay yes um because he was like i think they described him as drunk but in this he, he was just purely abusive he just caned um eli repeatedly there are and the last thing i'll say about the pros is that it's shot in like 4k usually when i see australian series they have a worse camera this is <laughs> this is really good um i gotta like update my brain software because even when i was reading the book i couldn't see it in this clarity um and I, it was it was a lot of money too because last january the federal government said streaming giants like netflix disney and amazon prime would be required to invest some of the revenue back into australia's content and mm -hmm. because of that uh it was an estimated 33 million dollars that was injected back into the state's economy. Yeah, that probably has to do with the picture quality, but but also I said the direction in this thing was a lot funnier and better. Like they had a days of your days of our lives scene, which anybody who's seen the episode knows exactly what I'm talking about. But there's a prison fight that happens because uh, the prison guards took the days of our lives uh, TV, <laughs> and, like the TV show. They took the TV out, and um, and the way they show it in like just five to ten seconds was incredible. Like it was so funny. What is it about prison? shows i remember mr in between did something similar where a prison cellmate is watching bluey and then someone turns the channel and then because of that they get into a fight i think it's just <laughs> showing how little they have to have and so when you take that away from them they're going to be pissed uh there are some sins to the show though i understand why they couldn't pull off sort of what the rehearsal did where it kept on changing kids 
for every <laughs> single year. Yeah. Like that, it just you wouldn't be able to do that here unless you were having the same kid somehow aged. Maybe later on with AI, we could do it. Have the kid de-aged or aged up. Um, but but August looks way too old. In the books, I think he starts off just a couple years older than Eli, and Eli's like eight to ten, mm-hmm. and so. I don't even think that uh, August is 13, and the kid looks like 18 to 20 years old. August does. Eli still looks young enough, I, I think. Um, the red phone conversation, which we do get near the end of the episode, is too quick. From the book, it, it wasn't a long conversation, but I think it was like there was pauses in between. This one, he picked up the phone, and it was just like, like talking immediately back and forth, and then it was over in like 15 seconds. So that was a choice that they could have changed but um i didn't like it and then introducing ivan kroll as the big bad kind of is a surprise to me um i can't without giving in spoilers explain why i would find that to be a sin but uh other than to just say it wasn't my favorite part of the episode they do um foreshadow a bit with the crossword puzzle or whatever that the mom frankie is um uh, doing she says a word that kind of comes into play a lot later on they tease out the rest of the series at the end of the pilot so um you do get a glimpse of everything that is to come and i recognized everything that was happening in that teaser even though there was a bunch of stuff they were showing so that's good that means that the book is uh, going to be um adapted correctly and so my ultimate take is yeah great book translates into good series eight out of ten are you gonna not everybody's cup of tea i feel like i have to um because of how i've i've talked it up if people did not like the pilot i will say wait until episode three because people have said episode three is when the series really starts to like kind of find its footing but the show itself has gotten critical acclaim it has an 8.2 on imdb it has an 89 percent critic score 90 percent audience score uh it's a lot like fool me once where there are articles written about how much people are enjoying the series within one week it jumped to the spot of top 10 on netflix and then it says there are articles like netflix fans hail beautiful and brilliant drama series and branded 10 out of 10 but the problem with fool me once is that they tried to split up the story between her maya and the detective and they just completely made up the detective storyline in this they're staying true to the other people's stories lyle's story august story they're just separating it and so we're actually able to see those scenes without Eli's like thoughts in them um the one problem with that is August and the guidance counselor uh, the guidance counselor is concerned that August is like showing signs in his drawing of a lot of dead people stuff like that you know and then he's also seeing a sign of like a of a car and and in the books August doesn't tell the guidance counselor jack shit like he is very close-lipped about it he can't talk obviously but he doesn't even draw anything for her eli's the one who spills the beans about some stuff <laughs> and so august gets pissed off at eli when he does in this show in the first episode august is drawing a picture for the guidance counselor almost giving her the facts that what eli gives later on so it kind of pissed me off that they changed that but again i was realizing that the reasons i was getting mad at the changes was not because they're bad it was more because i felt like i was taking a test where they were like can we slip this one past you can we slip this past this change past you and and the truth was you can't not not this soon after reading the book i know that john Colley again he wrote the series kind of rewrote the mom and dad story so that they were given a second chance which i believe is different than the novel that's later much later on. Yeah. again robert isn't even touched upon here um i think they were very true to who lyle was and who frankie is i don't know who played the mom but she also did a good job casting is good 
Um, other than that, though, I think I've said all my thoughts on the pilot. Yeah, I'll leave it with this. I just said stream at The Guardian gave it four out of five stars. The Sydney Morning Herald gave it five out of five stars. And the AV Club said they gave the series a B minus, but they said it might surprise you to know that the show also evokes everything from Home Alone to Shameless to Degrassi to Moonrise Kingdom to Spotlight. Yeah, the two most impactful scenes was definitely uh, the one with the mom, um, where she was having to get uh, clean in that room. And then also at the very end, Lyle says something once Eli has caught him doing or not doing drugs, but dealing drugs again. He's like, I'm doing this for the family. And then Eli starts crying and he tells Eli to stop crying. And then he backtracks and he's like, wait, I'm I shouldn't have said he apologizes. And then he says that uh, it's not bad that he cries, that he's that empathetic as a kid, because that shows that he cares and that he should never stop crying if that's like his thing like that. People shouldn't feel bad about it. He Mm -hmm undoes the shame that he had done earlier, which was really touching. Um, But that'll where I leave it, 8 out of 10. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.